I want to say a couple of things before I get into the word this morning. Um, all the lines of this song that the Lord gave me this last Thursday, my, my writing day, I guess, I don't know, are from the book of Psalms. Every single line is from the book of Psalms. And in the second verse, it says, all the kings of the earth shall praise your name. They will bow down to hear the words of your mouth. I love that. I just think it's beautiful. Now, I may have had to have switched out a word here and there or left out a word here and there in order to make it fit into the music. But all the kings of the earth shall praise your name and they will bow down to hear the words of your mouth. I got a newsletter this week from Brother, Brother Skip Kincaid, and I want to read it. It's important, and I want to read it to you. He would certainly tell this if he were able to be here himself, but since he's not, I'm going to be his voice this morning. It says, May has been a glorious month, as the 11th was the Feast of Pentecost, and I'm not a good Spanish name speaker, so forgive me if I botch these names. Brother Salatiel had a special service and asked me to preach. We began the service that evening at 5 p.m. and the Lord moved powerfully and poured out his spirit. People were filled with the spirit and two people came forward to receive Christ as their savior. One was a 50-year-old man who told me that he had never been in a church service like that and he wanted this Lord Jesus in his life. After he accepted Christ, he said that he had never felt what he was feeling at this time. He had prayed to all the saints in the Catholic Church but had never felt a thing. But now he could feel the presence of the Lord Jesus. That is a very real God that we serve. Because the Lord was moving so powerfully, we did not finish the service until after 10 p.m. I have, been, I have not seen such a powerful move of God's spirit since the services we had with Brother Chima over 40 years ago. We've been praying for revival and the glory of God to come. The next week, I was in the mountains of Galeana, and the Lord moved there as well. Brother Adrian and his wife, Arielli, Arelli, two of our Bible school graduates, have taken this little church of 20 people and now have 100 members. God is saving their souls. They are planning on building a new church as the old one simply cannot hold all the people. I enjoy seeing God using our graduates. Continue to pray for the Lord to raise up his laborers and for your prayers for this young generation, our friends. Today, I was supposed to fly. This is the part I especially wanted to read you. Today, I was supposed to fly to Mexico City where Brother Jexael was going to pick me up to take me to preach the anniversary service. 
In the last anniversary service, God saved and healed many people, even though due to COVID, they were not allowed to have a very large service, only up to 20. This year, they planned on having 300 people. I bought my airplane tickets, and while I was praying on Friday night, the Lord told me not to go because I would have an accident if I went. I continued to pray, and I saw a vision of myself in the hospital. I kept praying, telling the Lord that I don't ever miss my speaking engagements, and I, you know, he felt very bad, especially in this place that I can't pronounce, because we have seen so many people saved and healed in these special services. Then the Lord told me to call Brother Jexa, Jex, that's a different version of that same name, and as soon as he heard my voice, he began praising the Lord. He said that for the past two days, during their morning prayer service, God had spoken to him to call the missionary Kincaid and tell him, do not come because you will have an accident. And that Brother Kincaid would be hurt very badly. He really did not want to tell me not to come. But after the second day of the Lord speaking to him, he asked the Lord to confirm that what he was hearing was from him. Hang on one minute, let me back up one second. He asked the Lord to confirm that he was hearing from him by the Lord also speaking to him, Brother Kincaid. So when he heard me on the phone, he knew that the Lord had confirmed what was spoken to him. I'll be preaching tomorrow in Reynosa because Brother Andre wants me to share this testimony with his church. Our Lord is so faithful. He speaks to us and we must hear his voice. The Lord always confirms his word as he did with me and Brother Jexael. But it is still our choice to obey, and I desire to always obey his word. And I'll leave it there. He wrote a little bit more, but I'll leave it there. Aren't you thankful that God does confirm his word, and he knows this path that we take? Well, I'm going to get right into the word, and if you want to turn to Numbers chapter 14, we're going to be reading the first 10 verses of that chapter. I told Don, he, he's been complaining, not really, he's just been noting that my messages seem to have dual themes and it makes it difficult for him when he goes to post them on the website to find an appropriate picture to depict which one does he choose and which title should he choose in that. So today I'm giving you two titles and good luck with finding a picture for either one of them. The title is either, take your choice, the majority isn't always right or God's glory isn't always pleasant. 
And let's see what we're talking about here, starting in verse, verse 1. And all the congregation lifted their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. Notice I said, all the congregation and all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, would to God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would to God that we had died in this wilderness. Verse three to five, and wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey. Were it not better for us to return to Egypt? And they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto all the children, the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we passed through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us a land which flows with milk and honey, only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread to us, meaning we will swallow them up as bread, and their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. But all the congregation bade to stone them with stones, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. We're going to unpack this a little bit and see just what's going on here. First of all, what a pitiful state of mind this group of people has found themselves in, especially on this particular night. You know the story how they had been confronted with the two conflicting reports from the 12 spies regarding the promised land. Only two, Joshua and Caleb of the 12 spies, said in agreement with God's promise that he'd already given them that we are well able to take the land. And remember that the 12 spies were sent out, one from each tribe in Numbers chapter 13 and verse 2, by God's direction. The other 10, while they said, God's right about the land flowing with milk and honey, we, we totally get that. They became full of self and they rebelled against God's word and they fell from faith. And that's how the 10 represented the true feelings of the whole congregation. We counted three times that the congregation was the whole of the people. So the 10 
represented the majority of them in their sinful, rebellious state. They were in unity, all right, but they were in unity against God's word. And we should remember also that neither God nor Moses had sent out the 12. Why would he? God had already said, I'm giving you this land. You go take the enemy and I'll be with you and we will drive them out. God didn't need 12 spies to go spy out the land that he had already given to them. So the people devised their own plan and they decided that their plan was better than God's plan, so they sent out the spies. And unfortunately, Moses had a period of weakness here and demonstrated a weakness in leadership at this moment, and he unwisely supported them in this disobedience. As I said, there was no need to send the spies out at all because God had already promised victory but Moses told them to go ahead and follow their plan to go see if the land was good and if the people were strong or weak. And this is what led to the false report that came back. Had they obeyed God's plan and followed his leading, it wouldn't have mattered what the enemy looked like. It wouldn't have mattered what the land was. God already told them. It was a good land and it flowed with milk and honey. But the people, the majority, chose to believe the false report, the fake news. And so, because they felt defeated by the false report, they bitterly wept that night. So here's the point. We know that God assured them of the victory but he told them, now listen, he told them, you go into the land, you drive out the enemy, I'll be with you, and together we'll get this done and you will have the promised land. But they mourned because God required faith of them. What a sad, sad thing. Instead of making the conquest easy and convenient for them, God's plan was, no, you exercise your faith in me, you follow my lead and my word, and you will see the glory of God in this. But they couldn't. They didn't. And they resented God because he didn't do it their way. Their mourning indicated that they blamed God for their predicament and they denied that he was a loving, faithful father, which is something very near and dear to God's heart. And all this mourning turned into unbelief and fear, which we know, without a doubt, becomes sin and rebellion if left unchecked. And then they had to justify their sin and rebellion. Mourning indicates a death or a loss. That's what you do when you lose someone. But here, the only thing that God intended to die was their flesh, their sin nature, that old man 
But instead, Israel clung to that old man and they wanted him to live. How similar do we sometimes behave similarly? Do we sometimes behave in times of stress or uncertainty? When we look to ourselves to find reasoning within us, in our own logic, even when God has promised victory. And the terrible irony here is that the first 10 chapters of the book of Numbers found this same group of people prepared to become promised land dwellers. They were ready to go. They were fired up. They had been numbered, ordered, organized, cleansed, purified, and blessed by God to take the land. And they remembered how God had delivered them instead of sentencing them to the justice that they really deserved. But by chapter 14, when God issued the command, now it's time, go take the land. When their faith had to be put to the test, when the rubber met the road, they turned on him in rejection and rebellion. You know, at first they cajoled themselves by saying that their murmuring was directed at Moses and Aaron. But these were God's chosen vessels and they were actually displeased with God for choosing those particular vessels. So they wanted to choose their own and make their own captain to take them back. But Joshua and Caleb knew the truth and they told the people, don't be afraid because we're greater than they and they, you know, they uh, rebelled against God because I lost my train here. Let me go on. Don't look back to the bondage in Egypt. This is what I was trying to get to. Joshua and Caleb said, don't look back. Your, your future is ahead in the promise, not back in Egypt. That was not God's plan for you. This was a very deep state of rebellion that they were in. No other way to say it because the memory of the life they actually had in Egypt had become skewed and twisted. We know they were in bondage. They were ill-treated by the Egyptians. Yet, in their mind, this is what we want to go back to. And you remember we read that they said, you've even made our women and children a prey before our enemies, when all the time it was their own unbelief that would have caused the children and the women not to inherit the land. Let's not overlook the impact of this because at stake here was a pivotal test of faith and they failed miserably. Had God done it their way and cleared them out, they would have happily marched right in and set up shop. But they were mad at God because he didn't do it their way. Because God knows that the testing of our faith 
is as necessary now for us as it was then for the children of Israel. Because for one thing, the testing of our faith separates the faithful and the obedient from the rebellious and the sinful. Moses and Aaron responded by falling silently on their faces before the congregation, probably convinced that it wouldn't do any good for them to say anything, but Joshua and Caleb, the two faithful spies, rent their clothes in, a, in utter grief and intercession over the situation. And they said, people, this makes no sense. God's given us the land, we've seen it, and it is worth fighting for. But we read the congregation's response. Let's stone them. Let's kill these spies that aren't agreeing with our agenda, that are going against our will. And it is still true today that rebellious, sinful men simply cannot stand men and women of faith. The Bible says that the glory of God appeared in the tabernacle. We're not told very much about this, but it isn't too hard to figure out. The appearance of the glory of God was to judge their unbelief. It certainly wasn't to console their mourning because the walk of faith was just too hard for them to do. It certainly wasn't to reward them for longing for death or return to Egypt. For all of these reasons would have been inconsistent for the reasons for God's glory to appear. God's glory did not appear for the benefit of the congregation, but for God to speak directly to Moses. He said to Moses, how long will these people reject me. I'll disinherit them and I'll start a whole new nation with you, Moses, and I'll make it even greater and stronger than this one. How many knows that God doesn't make empty promises ever? He means business with what he says. And you remember in Numbers 12, verse 6 through 8, when Marion and Aaron were railing against Moses for having married an Ethiopian woman, and God called them for a meeting in the tabernacle. Numbers 12, 6 through 8 says, And God said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I the Lord will make myself known unto him in a vision, and I will speak to him in a dream. But my servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all my house, with him I will speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, meaning it will be very clear, not in dark speeches. And the similitude or the similarity and the essence of what the Lord looks like shall be Moses beholding. And where then, where then were you not afraid, Miriam and Aaron, to speak against my servant, Moses. God knows how he's fully capable of handling those who would come against his chosen. 
And this is what he did in the discussion with Moses in the tabernacle. So we're nearing the home stretch. Moses appealed to the glory of God. He said to the Lord, but Lord, we don't want the Egyptians to hear that you've wiped out Israel because it will be a black mark against your reputation and your glory. They will think you weren't able to do what you said you would do. So he begged God not to give the nations any room to doubt his word or mar his glory. Moses had to set aside his own feelings here. God told him, I'll make of you a great and mighty nation. But he set that aside and he appealed to God's power and promise to the people and said, let the power of my Lord be great. Let it be just as you have spoken. You are long suffering, but by no means do you clear the guilty. Pardon the iniquity of this people. Moses is saying, Lord, I'm not telling you they haven't done wrong. Yeah, definitely. Pardon the, the iniquity of this people, I pray you, according to the greatness of your mercy. And the Lord said, Moses, it will be according to your word. Wow. So how does it all end? Well, God ended the discussion by saying, but know this, as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord because these men who have seen my glory and the signs that I did in Egypt and have tested my patience, patience these 10 times by these 10 spies and have despised the land that I gave them, shall not any of them see the promised land, but they shall die in the wilderness. But my servant Caleb, and later on in the same chapter, God also calls out Joshua as his faithful servant too, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring him and his descendants into the land and he shall inherit it. And I will bring in the little ones. Remember when they said, oh, you've made our women and children victims. Those 20 years and under will inherit the land, but their fathers, those children of disobedience, shall not see the land, but perish in the wilderness. God was surely offended by the rejection and the rebellion of Israel. So much so that he mentions it again four more times throughout scripture. I certainly do not want to be guilty of rebelling against God's plan for me, for my life, and I know you don't either. But isn't it easy to think about the past to cling to the past, even if the past was terrible. It's what we knew, it's what we know, it's what we were accustomed to. It's easy to fear a test of our faith because what if we fail? It's easy to revert back 
to the ten tendency of relying on our own selves and trying to figure things out all by ourselves. And it's so very easy to believe a false report when the majority is going along with the false report. These sins can open up the way for bitterness to take root, for unbelief to grab hold of us, and in the final form, as we saw with the children of Israel, out and out rejection of God. Will you stand with me? I don't always understand the relationship between our prayers and God. I just don't. But Moses' prayer made a difference here. And it shows me that I must pray as though my prayers mean life and death and that they will make a difference. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 8 says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. For everyone that asketh receives, and he that seeks finds. And to him that knocks, it shall be open. Asking implies that we want something. The Bible says that we're to ask in faith, having confidence in God, approaching our good Father in humility, and nothing wavering. The seeking implies loss. We lost something, so we're searching diligently for it with our whole heart, and we shall find. Knocking implies need. We must knock with earnestness of heart and perseverance, and the Bible says it will be opened. Praise the Lord. Father, you're so loving. You're so long in mercy. And we're so short on knowledge and we're so short on rightful living and just being your children in the way that you want us to be. We're more like Israel that would turn back to Egypt, Lord. Oh God, help us keep our eyes on you, on the prize, Lord, and help us, Lord, when we ask to know that you are our good Father and that you've said to ask what we need of. Lord, show us the way. Show us the way in prayer, Lord. I ask with humility in my heart today, not having it all, Lord, I need your help. We need your help today because we want to see your glory. Oh, God, more than anything, I want to see the power of God fall in this place and your glory manifested in our midst. 
Oh, Jesus. Oh, I thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy to us. Help us to learn, Lord. Help us to learn, oh God, to take you at your word. The first time, Lord, to trust your word, Lord. And not to let the root of bitterness or rebellion or the final end of rejection, oh God, come forth from us. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. Thank you every, for every heart that's here today, oh God, and I pray that you bless them tremendously, Lord, with your spirit, and we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. <laughs>